Democracy's basement to your ears, this is the weekly meeting of the Queen City Improvement Bureau. Tonight, the Royal Saskatchewan's Provincial Fossil Hunt, the YWCA's Soul Sisters Benefit, and Innovative Revenue Tools. The meeting is now in session. I guess we've got a meeting. Uh, uh, we have an agenda. Um, who are you? My name's John, and I've been here all week. John? I was your guest last week. John Kennedy. Right. Uh, and you've been you've been here all this time? Yeah, the sign said exit, but it sent me into a labyrinth. Oh, no. <laughs> so you've been sitting here all week in, in Aiden's chair? Well, wandering around, chatting. I had a nice talk with Doug Archer earlier. He's down here somewhere, too. Oh, really? Doug Archer? I've never seen him down here. That's amazing. He's here. Yeah. Well, maybe uh, if you could if you could uh, take attendance then, because I, I don't have a copy of the attendance sheet with me, so... Um, um, and we can't move on with the meeting if, we, if somebody doesn't take attendance. Right. Attendance. Uh, DeCheney, comma, Paul. Um... No, I don't think there's a DeCheney comma Paul down here. Oh, you know, I think I know what you did there. I think I think you mixed things up a bit. I, I bet you that says Paul DeShane. If you if you rearrange all the letters, I bet it'll come out to Paul DeShane because Aiden does that every week. No, no, no. Okay, is there Morgan? Because I'm Paul DeShane. So, welcome, Paul. Oh, thank you, thank you, John Kennedy. Morgan, comma Aiden. Oh. Aiden, that's, I bet you He's that's the Aiden guy Morgan. that showed me the way out, or the not way out last week. <laughs> oh my God, I think this was—he's been plotting this for a long time. He's—he's he's talked several times about, you know, finding some way to to get to escape the basement. But I've always said, you know, you can't leave the basement until you find a replacement. That's I think I, a... I think that might be you, John. You'll rue the day, Aiden Morgan. All right. Well, um, I guess that's it then. I guess uh, I guess you're gonna you're gonna have to uh, if if we want to even get close to quorum, you're gonna have to participate in the meeting, John. I hope that's okay. I can do that. I've I've got some rations. Okay, good. Um, but we have somebody else down here with us in the sub basement. Uh, who who are you? Uh, my name's Tim DeCarrick. Tim. Tim. I'm the uh, I'm a vertebrate paleontologist with the Royal Saskatchewan Museum. Oh. That's fantastic. So I dig things up. Right on. <laughs> so, uh, Tim, uh, if, if you're with the Royal Saskatchewan Museum, I suspect uh, about a month ago we, uh, we had a meeting where we discussed the, uh, the, the, the search for a provincial fossil for Saskatchewan. And uh, I, I've noticed that uh, the Royal Saskatchewan Museum doesn't have their vote for a fossil sign up anymore. So I suspect that means that we've we've reached that point. We have a provincial fossil now. Yes, we do. Um, as of uh, this afternoon, we re uh, um, announced that um, of the seven candidates that were possible for a provincial fossil, um, the successful one was Tyrannosaurus rex. We're the only state or province I know of that has a T-Rex for its uh, provincial or estate animal. So this really? is quite unique. This is pretty exciting. Yeah, it is. Um, so that's the uh, that's the fossil known as Scotty. Yeah. Okay. 
And he no, could probably kick the ass out of a lot of other fossils around the country. Yes, I mean the T Rex was the was the kingpin of uh, that part of time, geological time. And uh, in fact, our specimen is bigger than, more massive than, pretty much any other T Rex known. Right. So do you do you have any sense? So this was decided by excuse me, visitors to the Royal Saskatchewan Museum and online. Yeah. So, by people uh, who uh, attend, uh, you know, stuff at the museum. Uh, do you have a sense why, how the T-Rex was able to get the vote out the way that it did? Um, I, I think because he's an, or she is an, is an icon. Right. Um, um, that uh, the other candidates, which were all found in Saskatchewan, some reached a similar size than Scotty, but um, with the uh, social media of, uh, of the high profile of Tyrannosaurus Rex, um, it became obvious pretty pretty clearly. Right. But, correct me if I'm wrong, the uh, Saskatchewan for most of its history, like geolo in geologic times, has been underwater. Yeah. So, um, the Tyrannosaurus Rex, this isn't sort of like a really super common place to have found T-Rexes. Um, I've always been under the impression that it's more of an Alberta fossil, so or an Alberta dinosaur. So could we consider the Tyrannosaurus Rex to have been a, a parachute candidate into <laughs> the, uh, the election for a fossil? Um, it, it, well, Tyrannosaurus Rex is only known at a very specific geological point in time, 65 to 67 million years ago. Um, that's the, the only part, point in geological time they were here. And for the most part, Saskatchewan, like you said, was underwater. Mm -hmm. um, but if you consider the this seaway that existed for um, uh, from at least 100 million years ago to 65 million years ago, splitting North America in half with the east and west coast of land, um, that, that border was pretty much where the Alberta Saskatchewan border is now. So, but the sea moved around over time right. and expanded and contracted. And it's at that moment of contraction where there was land available in Saskatchewan. Um, they got the best real estate deal and uh, uh, were able to uh, uh, survive and occupy that geological moment in time. Right. Um, so it wasn't a case of where. Um the the Tyrannosaurus Rex came over to look at the Great Saskatchewan Inland Sea and fell in and drowned, <laughs> and that's how we got Scotty here. Uh, not quite. Uh, he uh, uh, you, you mentioned earlier about it being an Alberta type dinosaur. The the Turtle Museum in Drumheller they have a silhouette uh, marquee of a. It's not Tyrannosaurus Rex. It's actually Albertosaurus, which is a smaller cousin of that family. Um, so. The best rocks in Canada that mark that moment in time before the extinction event are actually here in Saskatchewan and not in Alberta. So it's, uh, it culminates a, a quite a, a unique set of circumstances. Right. Uh, you mentioned she. Uh, I always thought Scotty was a boy. Well, uh, Scotty got its name. I'll just explain this. Um, I, uh, I usually name my specimens and my sites. I've been doing this for over 35 years, or nearly 35 years. So, uh, Scotty, it has to be a, a combined effort to name something. And the one night before anyone knew we had a T-Rex, me and the couple of people plus the landowner were sitting around discussing possible names for this brute of a dinosaur. And uh, I was reading a book called The Devil in Legend and Literature. 
it has like three pages of different names for the devil. I thought, you know, something as massive and, and uh, uh, primitive as a T-Rex had to have that masculine type name. Um, well, no one liked the idea. Um, and the only thing that was achieved by everybody is that we finished a bottle of scotch. <laughs> and I, I, I hate scotch, but that was the only thing left in camp, so what do you do? Um, so that's how it got, it got its name. Right. And we'd always assumed it was, you, you think of uh, and big things and big, big brutes uh, in that masculine sense, but we figure, uh, scientists have figured, looking at the inside of the thigh bone of Scotty, that it had characteristics actually much more in line with the uh, uh, robust and gracile version, and ours is robust. And in nature, often it's this female who is more robust uh, and, than the than the male. Hmm. So uh, we believe that Scotty is actually a Scottet. Okay. Uh, so uh, yeah, so it's uh, still uncovering the, the details of this thing. Right. You mentioned your specimen, so you were involved in the actual finding of Scotty. Yeah, I was That's pretty cool. I was uh, most a lot of the fossils on the on the campaign list are stuff that I've uncovered or collected. Oh, yeah? um, so. Uh, no, I was there. Uh, we, I was there. Uh, we a school teacher had wanted to come out with us to look for fossils in the area. Uh, he had covered some bones uh, in uh, in 1991, bone fragments coming out of the hill, broken up. But there was nothing really definitive about who it was or how much it was. I went back to the site in 1994, spring 94, and uncovered part of the jaw with the teeth still in it. So within that discovery, I, I pretty much knew we had a T-Rex skeleton because the teeth are, are about the size of giant bananas. Wow. And they, awesome. they stick uh, in the lower jaw, and they're often held together by the gum line. So that thing rots out if it dies near a river or a stream. Um, the teeth become very aquadynamically and shoot out. The fact that we found te- that I found teeth in the jaw told me right away there was some sort of trapping mechanism going on that we had a whole skeleton. Right. And that's when I uh, I sort of stopped and paced around the Badlands for like five minutes and trying to figure out, okay, we have a T-Rex skeleton, but the next big question is, how do we get it out? Right. Uh, the fossils are not found near a road. Uh, there's no magical path like you see in Jurassic Park where you drive up to the site and take a giant paintbrush and voila, it's all uncovered. It doesn't happen. Huh. Uh, so it, uh, it was a very complicated and long process of, of trying to extricate this, this massive animal. Right. Wow. And so you had a, did you have a sense, because my understanding is that this is one of the most complete Tyrannosaurus Rex skeletons that's been found. Did you have a sense of sort of the importance of the discovery when you made it? Oh, yeah. I mean, we, we had known, scientists have known for, for a long time that T-Rex was in Saskatchewan. We have, but that was based on uh, isolated finds of uh, some of the backbone or, or isolated tooth. Um, we, again, I, uh, uh, that night when after I went back to the site and rediscovered and found the jaw and the teeth, um, I eventually phoned, in a, went to the payphone in, in Shonovan and phoned my boss at home and saying, we have a big problem. <laughs> a good problem was a big one. And uh, that we had a, a 
chance of a T-Rex skeleton. And yeah. we were given about 10 days' work when no one else knew what we were doing, and there was no PR, no nothing, before an announcement made. In that 10 days, we had to cover as much as we could to determine, was this just an isolated bone with, with, the, with the teeth in it, or was this part of a, a large skeleton? And so for 10 days, we worked feverishly to determine whether it was a, a whole or nearly a whole skeleton, and uh, we were right. Um. So why would you be so worried about that? Like, if the word got out that you guys were uncovering a T-Rex, it would, like, I don't know, um, the CBC, um, well, Fox we, News descend yeah, on you? Or? Yeah. Um, uh, we want a little bit of control over right. the information that goes. And because when we go in the field, 95% of our fossil resources are on private land. And so it's hard for some people to imagine that when we're in the field, this is someone's backyard. Right. And you treat it as such. And so... Once we realized what it was and that we had a good skeleton, that's when we sort of got some of the forces together, the community of East End, and uh, uh, what they needed, what they wanted from a, an announced discovery. So within 10 days, they had a, a touring system set up that covered the insurance, covered transport, and uh, 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 interpretation, um, all in support of this discovery and what it meant to the community. Wow. And how long in total did it take to uncover Scotty? <laughs> Um, I thought we had finished. We started, the excavation started in July 1994. I thought by 1997, 98 that we had covered as much as we could. Um, this thing wasn't lying on its side like a 40-foot chicken. Right. Um, this thing was a regurgitated omelet, right. uh, bones stacked upon bones. And so we had hit an area where there were, weren't getting that much in the way of bone material, so we thought we had... We got the skull, we got some of the limbs that we'd be happy with that. Um, a couple of years later, a person who studies fossil plants went to the site, because we were getting also a lot of fossil plants from there, same age, and she uncovered some more teeth. So it wasn't until early 2000 that we actually finished the excavation. Now, it wasn't a continuous time, but it took us lot, that long. Right. And because the bone was stuck in the rock, very, very cemented rock, um, and in fact, one point... Um, we had a, a volunteer use a pickaxe on it to get to get the rock out, and he actually bent the pickaxe head. He was totally useless for the rest of the day; his arms just kept vibrating. Um, but that's how solid the rock was. So it took us until uh, maybe about three, four years ago to finally finish the lab work on this thing to get it fully extricated from the from the bones or from the rock to uh, to have a fairly complete skeleton. Wow! And it's wow. about sixty-five percent complete. That's amazing. Is there more there? Um, of that there? specimen, I'm not sure. Again, uh, there's no way. We've, some people have tried using some, uh, you know, uh, uh, sonar and radar to, to determine where bones are, fossilized bones. It doesn't work. Um, so there's no really way to tell if there's more in there. Uh, we just got to keep monitoring it. But anyway, that's what paleontologists do. They, they need to see the bone exposed in the, from the rock. And that ex exposure is because of erosion. So we, we desperately need erosion to uncover fossils, but that same erosion destroys the fossils. Right. And that's why we have to be very, once you find something, you've got to be on it quick. Right, right. Do you have any sense, uh, now that you've like looked at the entire uh, specimen, uh, what it died from, if not from uh, falling into Saskatchewan by accident? Um, I'm not sure. Uh, there's no real evidence. Uh, there are some pathologies, some features of the bone, especially in the skull, that are, are, that are asymmetric. 
that there's something going on in terms of some sort of disease or so uh, sort of treatment of skull. Uh, T. Rexes, other T. Rexes often have uh, bite marks or stretch marks, scratch marks on on their face, and anything that affect, affects the bone in life would be fossilized. Uh, but Scotty, uh, we don't have any of those features. And we know Scotty was, was pretty old for a T-Rex. It's probably one of the oldest individual T-Rexes there is. Uh, you can, some specimens you can do, uh, count the growth rings and the, the limb bones. And once you reach maturity, uh, your body starts reabsorbing those, those, those lines. And whereas other T-Rexes are determined to be 14 years old or, or 16 years old, uh, and when at 28, there are absolutely no growth lines in ours. Huh. So this thing is re- reabsorbing the nutrients from the from the from its food to you know just to go past uh, uh, maturity. So right. uh, uh, she was she was quite old. Huh. So what would that put her at? Well, 28 years plus. 28. Wow. Yeah. So that makes her a very venerable uh, Tyrannosaurus Rex. So no wonder she was such a canny combatant. Uh, in the the election and was able to win it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I don't I don't know if it's going to be some sort of uh, uh, committee uh, to to look at the voting uh, uh, voting rights and abilities <laughs> of, of uh, these other animals. But uh, do you think no, Scotty's uh, uh, promise to build a wall between Saskatchewan <laughs> and Alberta had anything to do with her winning? No, no. This is uh, uh, I don't think that there, uh, Scotty would enjoy a wall, and that's that's the nice thing about paleontology is that there are no geopolitical lines. Right. Um, T. Rex had a cousin in China called Tyrannosaurus batar, right. uh, and uh, T. Rex is found that the species is found throughout all North America. So we don't work in geopolitical boundaries. Uh, we look at. You know, uh, uh, biodiversity patterns across the globe. Right, right. Well, um, this, this, well, it's fascinating, and it does sound like uh, Scotty definitely, you know, warrants being the provincial fossil. Um, and oh, by the way, we are on uh, 91.3 CJTR Regina Community Radio, and this is the Queen City Improvement Bureau. Um, but uh, we had uh, a typical nine-year-old girl and a typical five-year-old boy weigh in on this debate and neither of them picked scotty they were both campaigning on this show quite strongly um for the brontothere yeah. um and uh, mo the long-necked plesiosaur yeah. um could could you tell them perhaps why I say like the brontothere was like a, a, a worthy fossil? Uh, well, the nice thing about brontotheres is that they're only known in, in Canada from Saskatchewan. Oh, uh, they lived. They're distantly related to rhinos. They lived around thirty five, thirty seven million years ago, uh, and they're really common at that moment in time. And so we have a lot of fossils, but we're the only province that has them. Um, and there's a lot of diversity of species with the brontotheres. The elasmosaur is unique. Because not only is it a nearly complete animal, about 33 feet in length, Holy. Um, it was it became a new species, huh. a, a new actually a new genus as new species of uh, uh, marine going reptile, and that doesn't happen all the time. Uh, so it, uh, the lasmosaur or, or mo as people call it uh, is quite significant. As same with the crocodile from from uh, uh, Carrot River. I mean, I collected both of those things. And no one would ever expect a 22-foot crocodile off the riverbank of, uh, of Carrot River. Uh, but that became a, uh, that was the first time that group of 
crocodiles was known from Canada. So uh, we are a very fossiliferous country or province. Um, Just a matter of getting ourselves out there to find the stuff. Do you you have a favorite that you haven't mentioned yet that you've uh, collected over the years? Um, I'm actually keen on some of the smaller fossils. Um, I can go to a site that was a part of an oxbow and pick up bones in a hand and find, you know, 15 different species of animals in life. So that tells us more than one skeleton will tell you. Mm. Um, there are some fossil birds from about 100, years, 100 million years old from Carrot River uh, that were so unique that they became... A, not only a new genus and species, but they're probably from a, t- a previously unknown family of birds that had teeth and, and that partially flew, but they were primarily foot-propelled diving birds. Oh, yeah. And uh, so they're not a big, fancy T-Rex, but some of these smaller things are quite, quite interesting. Right. What are you working on right now? Can you tell us? Um, more birds. Uh, uh, actually, my, my assistant, uh, Dr. Emily Banforth, is actually uh, today in Toronto. She's presenting a couple of papers to a conference that's going on right now. Um, one of them is looking at ichthyosaurs from Saskatchewan. These, imagine a dolphin with big, big, big teeth, mm-hmm. but they're a reptile. Uh, we have those uh, in Saskatchewan. Um, other research, we're looking at more of the dynamics of extinction, like uh, the end of the age of dinosaurs. Um, and because we have a beautiful section of rock and fossil that marks that extinction event, and even the geochemical signatures that of the uh, fading asteroid dust and stuff like that is all preserved there. So we're really taking a very long snapshot of life uh, to find out what survived, because that's primarily what paleontologists do, is that it's our role to, to understand the past so we can understand the present and what's going on with the future. Cool. So, Yeah. Um, so, do you know, are you aware of who came in second and who came in third in the uh, provincial fossil vote? I think uh, in the provincial fossil, uh, I think the crocodile, Big, Big Bert, um, uh, was uh, uh, number two. I'm not mm-hmm. sure of the rest uh, uh, sure. of the animals. Yeah. And how popular was this? Like, was this a was this a strong exhibit for the RSM? Oh, yeah. I mean, it, it was a nice thing because it, it brought... You know, we could throw things up in, a, in our display and say, come look at this, and ooh, ah, you know, it's pretty fancy. And we, that's part of our job, too. But to in- include the communities, the, the, especially the local communities from where these fossils came from, like the Pontex plesiosaur, mole, uh, the T-Rex from East End, Big Bert uh, uh, from uh, the crocodile from Carrot River, uh, and the other fossils, uh, it brings the community active into, into, uh, into the museum, which is not easily done. Yeah. So I know you guys do uh, touring exhibits throughout the province. Yeah. Uh, now that um, uh, Scotty has has won and is now the official fossil, uh, are, is he going to get to do a victory lap? Victory lap <laughs> around around the province? Oh, well, possibly. Uh, we do have, like you say, we do have traveling exhibits, and one of them is the head of Scotty. Yeah. Um, uh, but now it's the provincial icon. So uh, I'm not sure if they're going to be uh, touring it again. Uh, with that announcement. The other two is uh, we do have a croc- the Crocodile from Big Bert uh, exhibit as well as a 30-plus uh, foot lizard that swam uh, called a Tylosaur um, out in a traveling exhibit. So uh, most communities can get a, get a hold and, and see some of the stuff that we do. 
Yeah. And Scotty is currently uh, displayed in East End right now? Yes. The, the Royal Scottish Museum has the skull of Scotty uh, on display in the, in, the li- in the lobby, but the full skeleton, the full 40 foot animal, is uh, composed in, uh, in East End at the RSM's T Rex Discovery Center. Yeah. I was there a few years ago and they hadn't actually uh, they hadn't put it up yet. It was, it was still in the process of getting started. Uh, and it must be an awesome thing to see in all its you know, splendor. Yeah, I mean, the facility was created to house a uh, 40-foot animal, and with the height, you're looking about 15 feet tall at the hips. Um, so when you go into the walk into the museum, you walk around a corner, and voila. I mean, we have displays all over the place, but you can't avoid seeing this massive monster uh, from the past. Right. So now do we need, like, an active uh, government? Like, does Brad Wall not have to give this a stamp of approval? Does it get voted on, or is it all done? No, no, it's not all done. Uh, there's actually a protocol office uh, that deals with this sort of thing, with the emblems of, of Saskatchewan. So it has to be dealt with them from a, from a bureaucratic point of view um, and then hopefully by fall it'll be stamped and and uh, official right on well thanks very much for that um so john uh does does tim warrant uh, improvement vector status i think uh definitely improvement yeah. vector i don't have the capability to give you a certificate but <laughs> we can pass that on to Aiden, when I yeah. when I find him, he took the he took the lead blanks that we used to make the certificates with him. I guess right. So, yeah. <laughs> All right. Okay. Well, thanks a lot for coming in well, and talking about much. this, Tim. We really appreciate Fascinating it. Fascinating stuff. Yeah. yeah. Any, anytime. Cool. Okay. So uh, n- next thing up on the agenda uh, is uh, innovative revenue tools. Excellent. Yeah. So uh, for this week, uh, the marketing opportunities working group. Uh, sent up a report, and uh, they came up with a revenue to- tool involving a creative marketing deployment in the area of prominent municipal holdings in conjunction with a leading loyal local purveyor of public recreational productions. So, uh, bye, Tim. So, in other words, they will be wrapping City Hall in a, writer, in a Rough Riders banner. Um, but, you know, I was thinking, seeing as Aiden isn't here... And uh, I thought maybe the easiest thing, and certainly the lowest risk on this, uh, is for this week's Innovative Revenue Tool, maybe we could just sell his desk. Sell Aiden's desk? Yeah. Does Aiden have a desk? He does. It's over there by the um, by the uh, air intake system. What if we wrapped it in rider gear and sold it? That's, that's a really good idea. That would be a value-added desk then. Yeah. Okay, well... You know, I mean, a little bit of uh, innovative revenue is better than a lot of uh, no innovative revenue. Absolutely. So, okay. So, yeah, maybe one of the listeners would like to bid on that desk. Okay. Yeah, they could tweet at, at us. Nine thousand dollars. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and they can tweet at us at uh, at Queen City IB and uh, bid on his desk. Um, but if 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 that innovative revenue tool doesn't generate us any income, uh, we have some more. Hi, I'm Brandon Wright from Bike Regina. And I'm Sarah Maria DeBees from Bike Regina. And you're listening to... The Queen City Improvement Bureau. On 91.3 CJTR. Regina's Community Radio. Okay, that's it for Innovative Revenue Tools for this week. Um, Another solid batch of ideas there, I think. Yeah. I'm glad you could stick around, John. It gets really lonely down here when I'm all by myself. You're telling me. I was here all week. Yeah. 
I'm sorry about yeah, that. Doug. It's the time locks. We can't do anything about that. We've put in a request upstairs, but uh, there's been no response. So I had a broken bicycle I put back together. Oh, yeah. No, there's there's a lot of extra pieces down here. Yeah. Um, I, I noticed that we, we have somebody else in in the office with us today. Uh, hi. Is hi. Deborah, according to the agenda? Yes. Yeah, and you're here to give us a... Actually, it's... Belcoma. Oh, hi. Belcoma? Belcoma. Really? That's Deborah. an unusual name. <laughs> but, um, okay, well, who? Uh, you're from the YWCA, uh, and uh, what do you do for the YWCA? Uh, my official title is a bed coordinator at YWCA Regina. Right. And um, so I wanted to ask you uh, what exactly the YWCA is. I'm very familiar with the YMCA because uh, there's a song by the village people about the YMCA and uh, so I know that it's a fun place to stay at the YMCA but I don't know so much about the YWCA what what, what exactly is the sort of mission statement for the YWCA uh, yes we have a mission statement it's basically um, to uh, help women and children and youth uh, empowering women children and youth to attain safe food, you know, lodging, and uh, help them to, you know, live to their full potential. Right. right. Okay, that's not the actual official mission statement because I can't no. remember it word for word, but it is about empowering women and children. Perhaps I should have shot you an email <laughs> suggesting that I was going to ask you. <laughs> you know, <laughs> no one else is going to remember. That could be so. the mission statement, though. That was a good yeah. one. <laughs> yeah, nice work. <laughs> we'll write that down. Um, so, but you guys, um, one, of, one of the things that I was really interested in that you guys were, uh, take care of is like low-cost supportive, ho uh, supportive housing uh, for women and children. And uh, you provide shelter spaces for women and children who are escaping violence. Yes, we do. Um, we have the Isabel Johnson Shelter, which is for uh, women uh, leaving violent situations. And we also have My Aunt's Place, which mm -hmm. is more for single women and, and or with single women with children who just need a place to stay for about a month and then we'll find them alternate housing after that right um we also have three emergency shelters for children wow in the city and and also yeah we run seven buildings besides the actual building downtown oh wow i didn't know that because yeah. i knew that you, like you have like housing above we do near, we have um, downtown when I uh, started working at the Y, I thought that it was similar to a lot of Ys in Canada where people would travel from city to city and have um, cheap, like a hostel kind of situation. But in Regina, uh, we're focused on social programming and we have 55 permanent residents that actually live um, year round. And I think the person, there's a woman there that's been there for 25 years. She's oh lived gosh. in wow. our residence. So it's right. like a, an apartment. Yeah, uh, but it's like shared kitchen and uh, living room and stuff. But right. Yeah, but um, the, it's it's fairly long term housing mm -hmm. for and women. Do your residents get social supports and that sort of thing as well? Yes, we have like um, we have resident workers that work with them and help them with uh, any issues they have, legal or uh, food issues or mental health issues. So there's constant support there. So when people walk in and they expect that it it's a fitness facility, mm -hmm. that's 
really only 5% of what we do is fitness. 95% is helping people who need help. Yeah. Well, I think we should get the village people on the blower and tell them they're singing about the wrong place. Maybe. Yeah. I don't even know if they're together anymore, though. No, I think the cowboy left. Oh, no. <laughs> um... So, but you guys do offer uh, recreational facilities there, is it? We do have, we have a fitness, sure, uh, uh, men and women, mm -hmm. and uh, yeah, we have fitness memberships, and we mm -hmm. have a gym, and uh, a lot of people um, that don't live in the basement at City Hall go out jogging, and they use our shower facilities, no. and they do our lunchtime fitness programs, spin and Zumba and all of those classes. Oh, you yeah. guys have shower facilities? Yes. I, you know, maybe I should look into a that. A lot of city hall employees. myself against the, uh, <laughs> the condensate on the pipes. I haven't had a show in a week. <laughs> yeah. You look a little dehydrated, John. I, I feel a little dehydrated. Yes. <laughs> um, so, uh, but as event coordinator, you are in charge of, um, I would, I'm assuming like fundraising through events and stuff. Um, yes, that's yeah. what I do. Cool. Yes. And you guys have a big one coming up on May 26th. We do. It's called the Soul Sisters Benefit, and it's yeah. our 14th year. And uh, it's really, um, I help facilitate that event, but it's a third-party fundraiser in that the room mm -hmm. um, on Robinson Street, really the owners of the room run it. And Allison Baraka is the new owner of the room, with along with her husband, Ryan, and... They have taken it over. It had been um, something Shelley Hoffman started, and she was the previous owner of the room. Right. But, yeah, May 26th at Bushwhacker Brew Pub okay. at 6 p.m. And it's uh, how much to get in? $30 a ticket. Right. How do so, you get a ticket? You can go online to Yapsity, um, the room, Soul Sisters. com, or you can phone the Y to get tickets or Bushwhacker. Huh. You can just walk in there and buy a ticket. Awesome. Ask for Cheryl. What exactly is the Soul Sisters benefit, though? I have it, all I've got here on my notes is uh, you will have poor nameless boy and zero fox, and right. those just seem like a bunch of random words that were thrown together. Right. Um, in fact, those are two different musical acts that oh. will perform, and every year we have bands performing, and uh, they do it for free. They yeah. every year. It's like and a steak, steak night on steroids, right? Yeah, it's great. It's a burger and a beer and salad and fries, and there's like a silent auction going on and right. a 50-50 and a raffle with great prizes. And uh, This year, Allison's added two comedians, and I have not heard who it is yet, but two local stand-up comedians will also be performing. So cool. it should be a lot of fun. It's always a lot of fun. It's usually packed. Yeah. We have 200 tickets for sale. Right. And uh, it's generally sold out. Oh, so people should get their tickets quick because they should get them fast. soon. Bushwhacker yeah. truly makes one of the best hamburgers in town. Do they really? Absolutely. Huh. I, yeah, I don't get out much. So I don't, I don't when know. I, when I was free, I, I went there occasionally. Yeah. I want to know why John is shackled to that chair. He's shackled to the yeah, chair? Yeah, there's actually a shackle on the chair. I didn't want to chair. say anything. <laughs> I'm going to have to talk to Aiden. Yeah, it does have, it says A-M, like initials on it. Huh. Because when he was, he, like a couple of weeks ago, I saw, I was, I came into work, and I saw that he was working on a chain, um, and he said that he was taking a metallurgy class 
uh, at the Neil Balkwell Center, and I was like, I don't think hip hop persona. Yeah, and he was he was like, well, it's like jewelry making, and I was like, <laughs> jewelry making? That's awfully heavy jewelry. And he was like, well, you know, I want to be a rapper. Um, That's quite a heavy chain. Yeah, yeah. Well, he wants to be like Mr. T. I think is where Aiden's going with that. Or I thought cool. he was. <laughs> I had no idea he was going to use it for such a nefarious purpose. We will get the um, we'll get the, uh, the the hacksaw. The hacksaw will work, sure. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Or maybe we'll get like those snips so you don't have to like hack off your your ankle. So Deborah, other than being the uh, event coordinator at the Y, you're also half of uh, Regina's uh, uh, couple of fun, aren't you? What's this? I don't know about this. This isn't the in the. First, this isn't in my notes on the agenda. First couple of fun, aren't you half of that dynamic duo? I hadn't heard that <laughs> before. Is this an official title? Because I don't have an, I don't have a certificate for that. I'm just I think, kind of pushing for that. I feel like John's uh, pushing. He, you know, he's a fairly large ego, and he'd love to have his own. Ever video since those show. people changed their oh, name yeah? to Awesome. Uh huh. We've been a little jealous, we, uh, so we think we got to up our game. I, oh. He keeps saying we, but it's really John. And uh, since he went on the show last week, he's been talking about how he needs to have his own radio show. Right. Yeah. Well, I've he could care less whether I'm in it or not, as long as he oh, gets on there and can I say, this is John Kennedy broadcasting from CJTR. <laughs> When I came downstairs, I actually noticed that somebody had been writing on the wall with an old pencil. <laughs> I'm John Kennedy. I want my own radio show. I'm John Kennedy. I want my own radio Welcome show. To my show. <laughs> he had a script written already. Yeah, he'd probably been working on this script for two years now. And when well, we arrived today, and you said Aiden wasn't able to be here, we were like John was just course, absolutely delighted. He's been here. All yeah, week. he was here all week, yeah. and he was just waiting, hoping and I had that Aiden to do with was Aiden sick. Not being able to be here tonight either. No. Nothing. So it isn't that he like snuck out. It's perhaps that there was some nefarious <laughs> business. That trunk. Okay, I won't. <laughs> that leaking trunk. Okay. Anyways, back to the YWCA. Yes. Yes. I had some other questions for you on ninety-one point three FM CJTR Regina Community Radio. Uh, at this meeting of the Queen City Improvement Bureau with John Kennedy. With John Kennedy. The the one, the only, the inimitable John Kennedy. Uh, and and Deborah Bell from the YWCA. And it's first couple of fun. <laughs> huh. You guys have been away from each other for a week. <laughs> You're like, it's like a new couple. Um, so you guys have had a few other events this year that I wanted to ask you about. Okay. We just missed, um, we, didn't, we didn't get you in in time to talk about the Women of Distinction. What is that exactly? Right. That's an ongoing awards show, um, awards program for uh, women that's been happening for 35 years in Saskatchewan. Uh, all of southern Saskatchewan women are eligible. And, yeah, we had our 35th anniversary, April 28th, and had 630 people attend. And it was a great, great program. Right. And because, again, I didn't warn you that we would be talking about women yeah. in distinction tonight, um, what kind of uh, what do you do? Like, what do you need to do? What? How do you distinguish yourself to uh, get uh, to win one of these awards? And if you remember anybody, that'd be cool. Right. Uh, well, we we have 
12 categories. Lifetime achievement is awarded by the YWCA with a separate committee, and 11 categories are open to women in various fields. And, you know, we have culture, cultural heritage award, arts award. Um, I don't have the whole list in front of me, but yes, there's like science, technology, right. environment. Um, you have to just be a woman that's achieved um, something in a field. In a, various fields of right. endeavor. And does the Y accept nominations or how does it work? Yes, we accept nominations and they generally actually open informally in the fall of every year mm -hmm. and our committee works on it year round, the event, but uh, by November we'll have a kickoff media launch and we'll start accepting official nominations for each category. Right, and that's a, um, that's a pretty big gala event that you guys put on every year, isn't it? It is, it's one of the um, high profile events in Regina. Yeah, and what did you raise this year? Um, one hundred and $58,000. Oh, it's amazing for one night, eh? This is just from the Women in Distinction Night? Yes. Oh, congratulations. That's yeah. really impressive. It's sponsorship and uh, silent auction and uh, money raised from ticket sales as well. Mm -hmm. um, and that all goes to our programming. So Yeah. yeah. We had a really awesome um, Lifetime Achievement winner this year, too. We did. Um, Senator Raynell Anderchuk was the Lifetime Achievement oh, wow. uh, Award winner. Right. And at first we thought, well, you know, she's from Saskatoon, so are we stepping on toes because we divide the province in half and the Y in Saskatoon does it. But her primary work was done in her residence is in Regina, and she... Um, did most of the work that she accomplished was in Regina. She established the first family court in Regina and has been uh, ambassador to Portugal and uh, a few Zimbabwe, I believe, and is the one of only 13 Canadians banned from traveling to Russia because of her work with the Ukraine family. Personally by Putin. Oh, wow. By Putin. Really? How, he has personally banned her. Yes. Holy. You know you're doing traveling. some good in the world. Yeah, we that. felt that she really needed to have an award because this woman has done amazing work. That's fantastic. Cool. Yeah. Um, and another thing that you guys put on this year uh, was the coldest night of the year. Um, and we, yes. had, we had talked about that at an earlier meeting of the Queen City Improvement Bureau. Um, how did that go? Because we talked about it to preview. We never actually followed up. So um, We came into it a little late. Um, and it has only happened once before in Regina. And I believe that was um, Souls Harbor Mission had done it. Mm -hmm. But they weren't able to do it again. And so coldest night of the year asked if we would step in. And we did. And I we had 150 walkers, white walkers. Oh geez! No, well, uh, walkers. <laughs> yeah, it was. A, it wasn't actually super cold either. But I believe traditionally February twentieth is one of the coldest nights of the year across right. Canada for winter. But since yeah. we had a great winter, it was a really good turnout. Yeah, and I think we'd do it again if we were asked. Yeah, really great community support too. Yeah, that event. It was. Yeah. yeah, and considering like you guys put it together fairly quickly, um, you had thirty-two teams, one hundred and fifty-four walkers in total, and yes. you beat your fundraising goal of twenty thousand dollars right. by uh, you you raised twenty-three thousand eight hundred dollars. Like, yes, that's, that's really good. It was actually it was a fun event. Yeah. Yes, I went on. I did the five k. You could do a ten k if you wanted, or a two k. You don't yeah. have to run. You no, walk. Just walk. Just walk. Yeah. Did you have any runners, or was it no. just everybody? No, it's a walk. So. Yeah. It's more to kind of show Raise folks awareness. what, uh, you know, being out on the streets in a, in a major Canadian city in the middle of winter is like. Right. Yeah. Even for an hour or 
whatever the walkers do, whatever, whatever time it takes them, it gives them an awareness. Like, and you try to walk through neighborhoods that people wouldn't necessarily walk through. Yeah. And just experience this is what it's like to be out on the street. Yeah. But you aren't really, you in actual fact, experiencing. But it's kind of, it gives you an idea of what it's like to be outside. Yeah. A lot of people only run from their house to their vehicle when it's cold out. It's like okay. they don't have no idea. So we started the walk, and within uh, 60 seconds of the people that I was with, we had a guy approaching us saying, I slept outside last night. Can you oh give me God. some money? Yeah. We had someone asking us, and it was like, we're on this walk for coldest night of the year. It's like, how can you say no to yeah. someone? It's like, wow, I uh, can't believe this. But, yeah. you know, that's downtown and the park, right? There are, there are people sleeping there at night sometimes. Yeah, right. Yeah. And the mere fact, like, that you said that you guys had a really good turnout because it was a warm night. The fact that these that coldest night of the year doesn't get a great turnout on the coldest night should really make people think about the fact that, you know, if you're turning this down, there's people who can't turn down an opportunity to walk around at night. Or, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That was a great event. Yeah. Cool. What are some of the other things that you guys do? You also have um, the Rose Campaign. What's that? Uh, that's to commemorate the uh, Montreal Massacre, okay. um, um, December 6th. Mm -hmm. And uh, we honor the women that ha were killed in that yeah. night or day of violence. And uh, so, yeah, it's just an, aware it's an awareness campaign to yeah. Yeah. tell yeah. people about what happened and to try to keep that in the public mind. And do you have any um, other events coming up in the next few weeks? Well, we we do. We have on June um, 7th, we have uh, Art from the Heart, which is uh, the second year that we're doing this event. And it's um, at the Exchange. It's a it's great a, venue. It's a great venue. <laughs> and I think you know a, a really welcoming venue. venue. And it's, uh, it's also a fundraiser for the Y. And it, it's like, you know... I think there's room in uh, people's hearts and pockets in Regina to go to a fundraiser every week. Yeah. It's also $30 a ticket, um, appetizers included. And what it is is primarily uh, little sisters and big sisters in Regina. Uh, little sisters are contributing artwork. And then we have established Regina artists as well. Mm -hmm. So about 50% of the art is from, it's a big art auction. And so 50% of the art is from established artists. And 50% is contributed through children who go through our programs at the Y. And they... Right market their work too at the fundraiser right. and i think participants will actually have the opportunity to do some art there too if i remember right. the call sheet properly have have you heard of paint nights in regina no i haven't what's that well they're um a way for different nonprofits or organizations to raise money and they have they have uh, an artist who leads a session and they have uh, each person who participates gets a mural, or uh, sorry, an easel, and the artist will walk them through making a work of art oh. that evening. Okay. And they'll present a uh, sample of what uh, they are going to teach them how to paint. And so it's kind of a fun night, and yeah. they're really catching on. Like, huh. it's amazing in Regina how many people are doing paint nights. So we'll do that in the, on the club side. Oh, cool. Yeah. So it'll be a bigger event than just like an art auction. It'll yeah, like you, and we'll have we'll have some own. music there. Ben Winoski, and uh, he'll be accompanied by his friend Jeff. Jeff Story. Jeff Story, right? Yes. 
Ben and Jeff will be playing. Right so on. that'll be fun. And it's kind of a, you know, a three-hour event where you can walk around and have a beverage and have some appetizers. And, and uh, Regina's first couple of fun will be there. <laughs> okay. Whoever they are. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it sounds like you guys have to do an awful lot of fundraising every year to support your programmings. Um, is, is, are you guys 100% uh, fundraising supported or do you get, uh, or do you have other sources of funding? From the uh, we have, um, provincial and federal funding and, mm-hmm. um, no, uh, we could not survive off of the fundraising events alone right. yeah. and we are subsidized by our daycares as well. We oh, run, okay. we have three daycares, so oh. we have one daycare on, on McIntyre Street, but we also have Century Crescent. Right. Which is right behind, by much more lodge by behind Pioneer Village. Okay. And we also have a daycare in Lumsden now. Oh, we really? Run. Yes, okay. out of a school, right. a school in Lumsden. So, so it's all yeah. We we uh, primarily you know a lot of uh, provincial grants to run our emergency children's centers and uh, fundraising. Yeah, is yeah. we have over two hundred and fifty employees. So. Oh gosh. Yeah. So it's a a fairly large budget. Yeah. And summer is coming up. Do you guys offer camps? We do. We have Power of Being a Girl Camp run at the Y. And uh, in some format, we've always had a a girls camp every year. We've had urban adventures in the past, but this year we're doing a Power of Being a Girl Camp. Oh, and what's that all about? Um, Every week it'll be different age groups. And um, they do various activities and do out. Um, some outdoor camping, like just a few overnights, uh, and usually each one for each age group lasts a week. Mm-hmm. But we'll do it from July till the middle of August, and yeah, that's a lot of fun. Yeah, cool. And people can contact the Y for that too. Right. Do you guys still have spots open? Because I know uh, about this time of year, summer camp spots start to go really fast. Yes, we do. We definitely yeah. have some spots open. Cool. Yeah. And the camps? Do they start? Are they just in July, or do they run through the entire summer? There's six weeks of camps, and yeah, so it, you could, in fact, if you were like eight or nine years old, you could go for like more than a week if you wanted to. Oh, right on. Yeah, cool. and there's funding for people who can't afford to go to the camps as well yeah. through Jumpstart. So. Yeah, so it's, it's really, they're really popular? Yes. Cool. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Uh, oh, oh, sorry, one last thing. You guys have a thrift store where? Uh, we have a store. I think John uh, might need some new clothes. As soon as you walk in the front doors, there's a thrift store to okay. the right as you walk in, and uh, it's been there for a long time. Right on. Okay, what do you think, John? Um, I don't. I, I know that it's a lot to throw at you to like operate um, to like you know fill in the stuff on Aiden's Matrix. I yes, but um, what uh, what do you think? Does Deborah warrant? In, in, uh, what, what do we call it? That's a good question. <laughs> Improvement vector status. <laughs> Improvement vector status, yes. Yeah. And in fact, uh, with Deborah receiving that esteemed honor, mm-hmm. both uh, Deborah and I will, as Regina's first couple of fun, <laughs> have the Improvement vector status uh, honor bestowed upon us. Wow. You must have a wall in your study at home, must just be covered with these certificates. First couple of fun, Improvement vectors. I hope you have space for a second Improvement it vector. It will go right in the center in in the um, uh, epicenter of funville <laughs> dear god i don't want to know any more no more inf- too much information 
<laughs> Anyways, is there anything else about uh, the WCA that's coming up that I should know about before we uh, move on? I don't think so. I, I'll have to come back on again and tell you about our fall events that are coming up. Okay. We have some more events coming up. You do? Yes, we do. Okay, well, please come on. We will, we'd love to have you come back and Maybe if we us. got out of the basement, we could like do a coldest night of the year kind of thing. I don't know. I think sort of uh, dampest, darkest night of the year is our every night at yeah. Yeah, the Queen City Improvement Bureau. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Um, well, I think, uh, I think that's, that's all we have on the agenda for this week. Um, thanks a lot, Deborah, for oh, coming in to talk to us. Uh, that was very, very uh, fun and informative. And John. Yes. Thank you so much for well, coming in and filling good. in and I'm, for I'm, our missing Aiden. I'm who I, he'd better have a really good story yes. if he comes back next week. If, if he comes back. Yeah. And not I'm, I'm not going to let you out of my sight so I can leave the same door before the time locks to right. kick in. Okay, so, so do we need a motion to adjourn? We absolutely need a motion to adjourn. Um, but uh, I'll make that motion. All right. Is there a seconder? Deborah? I second it. But she doesn't technically have status. Oh, you just gave her. I gave a. Vector. I had a vector. Oh, I guess. Yeah. Okay. Well, sure. You can have. You can have status. All right. Do you well, want to read the outro? It, isn't that why I have it? Sure. Okay. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> Motion passed. Fantastic. You have been listening to the weekly broadcast of the Queen City Improvement Bureau on ninety-one point three FM CJTR Regina Community Radio, and our meetings are rebroadcast Mondays at nine a.m. Find us online, Twitter, at QueenCityIB, or our website, QueenCityIB.com. Catch our podcast on CJTR.com slash podcast, or subscribe to us on iTunes. Thanks to Ryan Hill, a.k.a. Guidewire, for our awesome theme music, and thanks to guests. Generic. Coming up, coming up next on CJTR, Night Action Pack, the Nerdcore Cabaret with Maddie V., Followed by Sask-centric electric and the cockpit. Keep on improving, Regina. Thanks a lot, Regina. Feel the improvement. Yeah. Woo.